On this episode of The Flop House, we watched That Awkward Moment. More like That Awkward Movie. What? <laughs> Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalin. And I'm Hallie Haglin. Surprise! Stuart, you look and sound different. You have a different name. No, no, no. I'm, I'm Stuart with a different name. <laughs> Wait, hold on. That's Guys, the least convincing disguise. <laughs> there's, we have some news for the Flophouse listeners. Stuart was peeing in a fountain with Hallie. Oh, okay. And now they've switched, except they still use the names of their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and Hallie... Is looking very gray gardens right now because she borrowed a sweater from my wife, which is slung around. And her. your wife is little Edie. <laughs> yep. From Grey Gardens. I married her for her money, and then that did not go well. I married her for her raccoons. <laughs> I always wanted to marry a raccoon, Eris. <laughs> She's got many raccoons, some bitier than others. <laughs> Um, so Hallie, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah. But she gave them all away to her nieces. <laughs> what? I'm not sure that how that fits smart? into the story. So sometimes that happens with the ants. <laughs> <laughs> they will their raccoons to their nieces. Hallie, is that what your favorite aunt did to you? Gave you her raccoons. Tell us what your aunt did to you, Hallie. <laughs> no. Show us on this doll where your aunt gave you raccoons. <laughs> It was in my arms. <laughs> <laughs> and they were beautiful. They were like little bandits. So, uh, unfortunately, Stuart Wellington of the Flophouse could not be with us tonight. Because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and one of us is the killer. It was me. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. No, he's mystery fine. Solved. Mystery solved. Another Elliot Kalen mystery. I solve them quick because I commit the crimes. <laughs> no, I, I, will, uh, I will take the blame for this to some degree in that... My stupid body <laughs> got sick. My stupid body, which was your EDM album? Yeah. Um, we were supposed to tape yesterday when all four of us could be here, and Hallie would be a special bonus guest. Instead, she is a replacement host. You've been upgraded. Yeah. And or Stuart- downgraded, because I'm a paltry uh, replacement for a great man. <laughs> May he rest in... Abraham Puerto Lincoln. Rico, because that's where he is, bitches. <laughs> wow. Did Stuart tell you to gloat on his behalf? I don't understand. Uh, yeah, he's in Puerto Rico celebrating the wedding of somebody. Some person who's getting married there. Um, but this is a very special episode of The Flophouse, not just because Hallie's uh, dropped in. Any excuse to say but, huh, Dan? I'll say it right now. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's a very special episode of the Flophouse. Explain, please. Um, this is. I love special things. I love episodes. I love the Flophouse. I love explanations. So w- please give us one. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is the most magical time of the Maximum Fun calendar year. The Max Fun Drive. The Pledge Drive from yeah. Max Fun. Maximum fun, maximum drive, maximum pledge. Uh, Max fun. 2015. 
is a listener supported network. It's like your PBS's or your N's PZR's. N's PZR. Yeah, it's it's listener supported. So you are the listener. You gotta support us because without you, where would we be? Nowhere. Yeah. In a dumpster. This Our is... bodies mangled by the killer. We come to you, but the once... killer's name, Hallie Hagland. Oh wow. <laughs> Again, I mean, I'd you, be fine. I have an active life outside this show. <laughs> we don't. Ellie, you really like, you give away the endings to these mysteries very quickly. That's where the the mystery comes in. It's like, when's he going to reveal the answer? Right now. Okay. They're called Elliot Kalen's One, One Moment Mysteries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a way to kill a moment. That awkward moment mystery. But before we get to that awkward moment... Uh, the Max Fun Pledge Drive. By the Max Fun Drive. It, it happens but once a year. We come to you hat in hand, uh, asking for that your support. That is a nice hat, Dan. Thank you. Well nobody, I'll into. tell you guys, nobody's actually has hats or hands shut, here. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Hallie's the magic of radio. Shut the fuck up. So we come to you and we say, donate, please. Pledge to donate. And how do they do that, Dan? Uh, well, here's how you do it. You go to uh, MaximumFun.org uh, and click on Donate. Sounds um, easy. Should be doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And if you donate, you uh, number one, you support the shows that you love, and um, you can uh, you can dictate which shows specifically that you listen to, so you know that the money that you donate goes to the things that you enjoy, and not some other thing let's that say maybe you don't care about. Let's say you love this podcast. There's another yeah. podcast on Max One you don't like so much, Judge John Hodgman maybe, and <laughs> you don't want to donate to that. Don't worry. You can delineate which podcasts get the money so we get the money that you want to give to us. And it's a nice way to support us. It's a nice way to support the whole network. It's not just uh, the talent, per, as, as it were. But no, but the, it's also the network itself. The network putting itself. Putting out a lot of great material and supporting other great Podcast artists. And uh, you get pledge gifts. Pledge gifts. Um, now, there are different levels of pledges, uh, gifts you can get. At the $5 per month level, you get exclusive bonus content. This includes a bonus episode of the Flophouse. Now, people have been wondering, what would it be like if the Flophouse talked about a bad television show? Well, there's one way to find out. Pledge to Max Fun. You'll get yeah. our bonus episode, an episode... Only available to Max Fun pledgers. Yeah. So if you don't pledge, you will never know what happened in the episode. You'll miss out on some funny jokes. Stewart's in it. No replacement co-hosts, and uh, you know that are maybe not as good. And, <laughs> uh, At ten ten dollars a month, you get a uh, tote bag, a Max Fun tote bag. You like NPR? Pretend you're donating to NPR and get a Max Fun tote bag, but it says Maximum Fun instead of NPR. This is way better than NPR. Yeah. Therefore, it's a better tote bag. That was um, really mean, the thing that you said before. About, <laughs> about substitute hosts? About substitute hosts. Well, uh, I'll Just tell so you. Just so you know, I came here out of the goodness of my heart because you guys begged me to come. That's true. And, and we cry. changed the date on you several times <laughs> like a bunch of jerks. We really appreciate your being here. Yeah. But for $20 per month, you can get an in-flight power pack that has a mobile device charger, collapsible water bottle, antibacterial wipes, pilot wings, all that you would want uh, if you were taking a flight somewhere and all emblazoned with the Maximum Fun rocket ship logo. kind of thing Dan might take with him while, say, watching a movie on a plane. Mm -hmm. His favorite place to watch movies. $35 per month, a pair of rocket engraved shot glasses. $100 per month, membership in the Inner Circle. 
which is a monthly culture club where uh, you get a curated piece of culture every month. And we're not talking like germ cultures. We're talking like books and art, mm-hmm. things like that. Stuff people like. Yeah. This all sounds made up. Are these real things these that people are, can get? These are as, as Do as not a, undercut the pledge. As <laughs> amazing as they sound, <laughs> totally they're all real, Howie. Real things. All right. I go, okay, guess I'm going to have to pledge. now. And, and at the $200 per month level, the, the, the fucking aces high level, uh, you get free registration for Max at FunCon 2016. The official Max Fun convention where you'll meet your favorite Max Fun stars like Maxwell Funship himself. Do they have to dress up as characters from Max Fun? They can if they want to, but they don't have to. And uh, I, I mean, I bet you guys could probably just wear your regular clothes and you'd look exactly like Dan and Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> now, I just want to mention that uh, current donors... People who are already ongoing monthly uh, donors to Maximum Fund, if you upgrade uh, your membership during the pledge drive, you're eligible for all the thank you gifts we're offering. And also, if you're a current member, you can go to uh, MaximumFund.org and say that you didn't have the flop house on your donation list before because we're not part of the network. You can shift over you can say like i also listen to the flop house now there's a goal this year of 2000 new and upgrading members totally achievable eminently achievable just with you guys listening to us right now so here's what you should do while you're listening to us go to your computer and go donate because you're going to forget otherwise you're going to keep putting it off you're going to be like oh i should really donate to that i'll get around to it it's not going to happen how do i know because that's what would happen to me so i think you should do what i should do which is donate right now rather than putting it off for a little bit, you know? Uh, but Which is why we're asking Elliot to donate right now to Max. I fun. guess I don't have my Two computer. Right? $200 a month, Elliot. <laughs> I guess I'll get my phone. Go. I mean, it's, that's okay. Go. It's for good. It, I mean, it's for good podcasts. I'll get a little, a little piece of you it too. Yeah. So you got to wet your beak a little. <laughs> my beak is very dry, like some kind of desert bird. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we will, we will be back to talk a little bit more about the max fund drive later on in the show, but now we need to talk about what we normally talk about, which is a movie that we watched. Well, I don't know, Dan, maybe we shouldn't talk until we know they've donated. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll just sit here and not talk in silence. Go to the, not saying a word. Go to maximumfund.org. Go click donate, put your information in. We'll wait. Hallie, sing us a song while we're waiting. And this magic moment. <laughs> All right, let's not do that. I'll tell you what, this is a bad idea. <laughs> I didn't realize that uh, that we could get a song from Cher after a nuclear blast. <laughs> so, Hallie, you as the guest, yeah, were uh, invited to choose a type of movie. A movie. Well, actually, I said, is there a specific movie you want to watch? And you did not give me a specific movie. You gave me a genre, and you. In all caps, what did you send to me? Rom a com. <laughs> and what rom com did we end up watching tonight? That awkward moment. Yeah, so which thus inspired moment. Are you swallowing your own tongue while you're singing? Is that what that sound is? <laughs> it's called singing, Elliot, if you'd ever tried it. Oh, wait. 
Uh, I try it all the time, singing for you and for you, singing for the donors who pledge, singing for Bono and the Edge, singing for that man on the ledge. Don't jump. Don't jump. He jumped. What are you gonna do for a pledge? I don't know. Um, So, that I mean, if you like stuff like that, I guess pledge... Of course you like stuff like that. You're listening right now. You should be pledging. But uh, that awkward moment is, uh, I guess, it's named after that irritating internet thing where someone posts on the internet and they say, that moment when, or... I thought they meant the awkward moment was like, le petit mort, the moment when you ejaculate and you feel like you've lost a little of yourself. Yeah. Is there a more awkward moment than that? No. You can't control your body or your face for a second. orgasm is the awkward moment. Uh, yeah, well, that could be Because then you're kind of like, all right, well, that just happened. Um, <laughs> that just, you're totally confused. You next? don't know what's going on. <laughs> do I, am I supposed to, where, where do I go now? Do I, wait, do I make you a pancake now? <laughs> or the, am I supposed to drive you somewhere? But that's who ro- what it is. That's the home. context is of the movie. Do I pay you now or should I wait till after you get dressed? Yeah. That kind of thing. I mean, I feel like you guys are expressing the real theme of the movie. The real theme of the movie, which was assholes. Well, yeah. Uh, but I feel like you guys are posing the exact same questions that the guys posed in the mo- in the movie. Well, let's talk about who those guys were. There's mm-hmm. Jason, hot. played by Zac Efron, who is who a... Hallie was... They're uh, all hot. Going she was all over it. The three men are uh, Zac Efron, Michael B. Jordan, the actor, not the basketball player who does not have a B as his middle uh, initial. And, who's uh, Michael B. Jordan? Uh, he, no. was, was, it was in, he was in... Chronicle? He's gonna be the he, the Human Torch in the new Fantastic But he wasn't movie. in. We were talking Zach Efron. We're talking Max Taylor. We're talking Nick Cannon. No, no it's I not Nick Cannon. I think we're racist. You were actually being racist in thinking that that was Nick he, Cannon. He, you said it was Nick Cannon. Well, Dan is a racist. We've established on this show that don't Dan is a racist. That's why I thought it was. Throw him under the bus that Rosa Parks is refusing to get <laughs> yeah. up on because Dan is a racist. I just want people to know it wasn't why me. Do you have to do this? <laughs> Oh, wait, is that the guy from... Wait, hold on. Anyway. Is that the guy from The Wire? He was in Chronicle. No. (laughs) No, I think he might have been. No, I think he might have been. The guy who was in um, the... Show me his... Uh, You have a phone. (laughs) I'm going through the other people. And the other third guy is Miles Teller, a.k.a. Whiplash. You guys are going to be so sorry. So they're three friends being young in New York and having sex with ladies and then not calling them back later. They're just a bunch of lovable douchebags roaming around the city, going to the same bar every night, hitting on different women at the same bar, but seemingly never running into the same women at the same bar. Mm -hmm. But anyway... uh, And Zac Efron's hair gets taller and taller with every scene. In the first scene, Zac Efron's hair just looks like a newly mown lawn. Just fresh braids, blades of grass. By the final scene, it is a proud tsunami, roaring yeah. to its full height before crashing into some sort of Malaysian beach, killing thousands. <laughs> you really paint a word picture. Of Zac Efron's hair. So, Murdering people. <laughs> so, the Wire! Who did he play in The Wire? He was the guy who got killed. He was also... Oh, thanks, Hallie. Like no, he was the guy who got killed. Him. He was the friend that... Um, that uh, Spoiler alert for The Wire. No, he was the first season, the guy that... Um, What's his name? Had to kill his friend. Oh Brody? yeah. Okay. Bodie killed him. Bodie killed him. Yeah. No, no. Brody and then he from, was in from uh, Homeland. No, and then he was in that um, the uh, wasn't he in that station movie? 
Fruitvale Station. Yeah. Okay, so Hallie no longer racist. Dan still racist. All right. Well, I apologize for the mistake that I made. Dan, look into the camera. I apologize <laughs> for the mistake that I made. Uh, you end. And I will we'll never do it again. Reparations. <laughs> okay. As well as a large endowment to, to my penis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> let's keep moving. Anyway, so these are three guys. They also hang out occasionally with a girl named Chelsea who just kind of shows up out of nowhere in one scene, and it took me a moment to realize she was a character and not an extra that had decided to butt into the scene. Was Chelsea the skinny tall one? Yeah. So you might, if you watch Halt and Catch Fire, you might remember her as the person who's always dressed like Mary Stuart Masterson from Some Kind of Wonderful in uh, in that program. So specific. They are totally trying to evoke her. Like, it's an 80s set show, and they're like, uh, uh. just make her look like uh, that girl from the John Hughes movie. It's all right. <laughs> 80s. 80s. 80s <laughs> equals Hughes. Yeah. Uh, the Hughes decade, they called mm-hmm. it. Now. Howard uh, Hughes. Howard Hughes. <laughs> the movies that Howard Hughes made about teenage life were all really unbelievable. Okay, I haven't checked dogs. this yet. I haven't checked this yet. I'm about to check this, but I actually think she was a child actress and she played um, uh, Stephanie or Michelle's friend on Full House. I'm going to chat. Right he's now. really gone down. The Look, I just admire that rather than taking the extra three <laughs> seconds to check on her phone just now, she instead stakes her claim <laughs> saying, I believe this, and I'll yeah. check now to see if it's true. It's like uh, public radio's This I Believe segment, <laughs> only it's a fact like that it has inherent like, truth that can be checked. <laughs> that she could research pretty easily. <laughs> anyway, so these are three guys who are friends except Mikey played by Michael B. Jordan, who is a young doctor, mm-hmm. is married to... Now, does Mikey like it? Because I hear that Mikey likes... Mikey will eat anything. <laughs> no, no, Mikey won't eat anything. <laughs> no, that's this. That's what you think it would be, but it's a terrible thing. They're no, like, they give say, it to Mikey, he'll eat anything. No, no, he hates everything. No. They Mikey. say, no, give it to Mikey, hates he hates everything. And no. then he likes it, and they go, if even Mikey likes it... No, you would think that that would make sense, but it's a terrible commercial that says... Give it to Mikey. He'll eat anything. No, he hates everything. Hallie, stop looking up whether she was on Full House. Look up the Life cereal commercial. But I know it was, I think you're right, Elliot. I, know, I remember. He either says he, he hates everything or he won't eat anything. He hates, okay. Okay. Dan, the logic of the Life it commercial is impeccable and unbreakable. Let me explain what's going on. Mikey. So, uh, Michael B. He Jordan. He hates everything. What? Yep. Dan, you've been living a lie, and that lie has an F in it to spell life, cereal, which you were wrong about. Dan, look into the camera and apologize to Mikey. <laughs> Mikey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that you did not die in Vietnam <laughs> or after eating Pop Rocks and Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so you'll be giving reparations <laughs> to my penis. and an endowment. <laughs> Your penis is really making out like a bandit with this thing. Speaking of penises, there's a lot of penis talk in this movie. Let's say yeah. one thing about this alleged rom-com. It is an out-and-out uh, guy's potty mouth movie. It's low on the rom, low on the com. <laughs> <laughs> if you like scenes of guys lying down across open toilet seats because they're peeing with erections, this is the movie for you. Yeah, let's talk about this scene. There's no. Well, I, haven't, I haven't even said anything <laughs> no, about no, the movie's about. The three guys, the- Mikey finds out his wife is cheating on him, so he falls in with his two horn dog friends, and they decide that they are yeah. not going to get into... horn dog friends, Zac Efron and, and Miles Teller. And they're not going to get into a relationship. They're just going to fuck their way through New York. Mm-hmm. As bachelors do. And so, so there's I'm, a scene I'm where they take... And, this is, and they decide this at one of the two places they have together, bars or coffee shops. Yeah. Because they drink 
a ton of coffee in this movie. <laughs> but they take You'd think it wouldn't be that difficult to pee because they have so much coffee in their system. But Efron and Teller take Viagra at the beginning of the night, uh you know, with the f- full faith that they will at the by the end of the night have uh hooked themselves a lady that they can Oh, their rocks will be off. Yeah. And then there's a but cut that's to thing. them. That's the thing they do. They, they do. No, they, they both do. go home with ladies. I mean, you know, they're handsome gentlemen. But like, well, that's the other thing. The fit that Zac Efron is portrayed all Zac is portrayed as like he's got this really good line of patter. Like he knows how to get a girl, but he's also a ridiculously handsome guy. Yeah. Like it would be a different movie for me if it, these were guys were not all had movie star looks. And Miles Teller always looks sleepy. Mm-hmm. And like he hasn't, you know, but gotten any sun in days. He's, but but he has a so sort of soft charm. About no, no, he's uh, got like a mushy John. And Cusack also, charm. if you had seen um, the spectacular now, he's like lost a good a hundred pounds since then. <laughs> so <laughs> so he really looks like movie star made once you see his busted self in that one. <laughs> Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. The spectacular cow, moo. I mean, wow, I Caddy ca- Hallie. I, I kind of love the way that Hallie is turning around. The is, this is the female gaze. <laughs> is what we're getting right now. But uh, no, there's a scene where like these two guys are on Viagra, and uh, we cut to them taking a whiz, uh, and there's a, like a camera reveal that shows that they're both lying down <laughs> with their penises inserted into the toilet bowl, like planking on the thing. Into it like stir sticks, yeah, in a in a toilet cocktail. And the idea, I guess, is like it's really hard to pee when you have an erection. But speaking which is true. Speaking as a man who has had to pee while he had an erection, you can still do that shit standing up. You don't need to insert your penis into the bowl. I don't know that completely prone. It's hard for me to believe that these two characters have never been in this situation before. Yeah, where they've had to pee with an erection. (laughs) It's called. I don't know. Maybe this is how you do it. It's called waking up at age 14. <laughs> That's what it's called when you have to pee with an erection. Now, here's the thing. They go out for a night on the town. Uh, Miles goes off with some girl. Mikey meets a girl with glasses and gets her number, but he still wants to work it out with his wife. And Jason, Zach Efron, meets Ellie, played by the hilariously named Imogene Poots, <laughs> which is a name Imogene- out of Imogene like- Gay Poots. It's a name out of like a little Abner comic strip. <laughs> uh, and... He goes home and sleeps Poots. with her, but then due to reason, yep. <laughs> yep, her name is like a fart. Uh, for reasons that are too stupid to get into, he starts to believe she's a, a prostitute and runs out of the apartment, for, like clutching his clothes no, to his naked bosom. I think the reasons are just stupid enough to get into. She has a lot of condoms. She has. She wears boots, boot, wears boots, and she has and an envelope full of cash. She could easily be a spy. <laughs> yeah. Or, or just, just like, a normal person. Just a lady who doesn't believe in banks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. She th- she's a Lyndon LaRouche follower who thinks that the, the whole financial system is gunning for a fall. Yeah. I mean, she could be like a lot of um, good-looking people in New York who just got a huge envelope of cash from their parents who are supporting their lifestyle. That's what this movie seems to have a lot of. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has, a, has a apartments, but they don't seem to work that much. Imogene Poots plays an author. Uh, Zac Efron and Miles Teller are like, Co are book cover co designers. They work uh, together. They work together and they play together. Uh, here's why I would have run out a of the couple girls of real apartment. chip kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's makes me think there's like a Muppet Babies type show called Chip Kids about little kids who design book covers yeah. and their work is really innovative for a while and then it seems to get kind of repetitive. Uh, yeah, and then they become obsessed with old Batman toys. <laughs> chip Kids. 
when your books look kind of weird. <laughs> that kind of stuff, you know? When, yeah. Tempo would be a little different. Yeah. When your books look kind of <laughs> Not my tempo, Hallie. <laughs> Whiplash. Uh, Starring Miles Teller. Starring Miles Teller and just kidding, Simmons. M tells. M tells, yeah. Uh, so the reason I would have left her apartment is because she didn't have a full bathroom, but just a toilet with a curtain around it. Mm. Not something I can handle. Gotta go. I need more privacy than that. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> Yeah, especially if you're Miles Teller in this movie, who's yeah, who has a chronic. Trait. Oh, but he wasn't at that apartment. No, I no, know. no. But Miles, so Miles Teller's I character is irritable bowel, a running <laughs> gag, which they kind of forget about after a while, where he just goes to he takes a poop in Zac Efron's apartment all the time. Uh, they each, but have, in his like toilet, not in like a weird place. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like he's strange. doing it in his toaster no, or something. And it's not irritable <laughs> bowel. He doesn't run in there like oh. Well, we don't know that. We never see him before he's in that bathroom. I mean, he spends a long time in there, which is why they come out. When, why he comes out and everyone's like, "Did you just take a shit?" Because you were in there for so long. Which wouldn't happen if you had irritable bowel. It would mm-hmm. happen. Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what that movie's about. <laughs> it's about Vin Diesel has irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> and Paul Walker goes undercover as a guy with the irritable bowel. <laughs> <laughs> to get into the secret irritable bowel street uh, teams, yeah. It's when uh, late at night. That's why it's it, called the secret of the ooze. They go out on, they go out on the streets <laughs> and they just poop in the street. Is that what the secret of the ooze was, that it was poop? Yeah. <laughs> they lived in the sewer. What are you going to do? So the three Rest guys, in poop. the three guys make a deal that they are not going to get into relationships. And meanwhile, the next day, Miles and Zach they have to pitch a book cover to uh oh Ellie, the girl that Zach ran out on the night before, because he thought she was a hooker. It turns out she's just an author. Something that is not really ever brought up again, and we never see her working or see them working. But being an author is like being a prostitute. Am I right, guys? High fives. Not well. I mean, we're not authors. We're just writers for a TV show. I've had essays printed in books. Oh, check out Mr. Prostitute. (laughs) And let me tell you, the money was pretty sweet. (laughs) I got upwards of two hundred and fifty dollars. I wish I got upwards of that. (laughs) Books pay shit. Anyway, so, uh, but so Zach and uh, he uh, apologizes to her through the form of a hand-drawn comic strip. In which he apologizes to her and she uh, and uh, forgives him. He mails this to her, or I guess drops it off in a gift box. Here's the thing that I think won her heart over: he had it custom framed. That's expensive. Yeah, mm-hmm. that shows framing it cares. is crucial. <laughs> oh, you mean like crucial? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you meant no, like crucial. Girl on the go. She can't <laughs> no time for second syllables. <laughs> Just the first sill. <laughs> no more than that. Sar. Friends. <laughs> this is sorry, friends. Yeah. No, it's sorry, friend. She a girl on the go. <laughs> no time even for further letters. <laughs> Say the first letter and go. What was Hallie saying? I don't know, but she was out of here quick. Every time I have a conversation with her, I got to do it like a word puzzle where I'm trying to figure out what the sentence was. It was even worse than the time she only spoke in anagrams. Every time I talk to her, it's like an episode of Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> uh, so, meanwhile, uh, Jason start, Zach starts seeing uh, Poots more often uh, and starts falling for her. Meanwhile, 
Chelsea, the late Tang is what he calls <laughs> the late <laughs> because she drinks Tang all the time, yeah. <laughs> and she can't be understood when she talks. Uh, Daniel Miles Teller starts falling into a relationship with Chelsea. Remember their friend who's a girl who really only exists in this movie to date Daniel and to. But sing they, I think at they all point? went to college together. That was the. I thought that was the implication. Because, it was like but, they were all invited to the Thanksgiving. Now, everybody in this movie has a want. Miles Teller wants to get blowjobs and poop. Zac Efron doesn't want to be in a relationship, and Mikey wants to get back with his wife. Chelsea does not have a want. Her want seems to be to continue living in her grandma's fabulous apartment and wear shirts in bed, she but wear very live? skimpy shirts outside of bed. Does she live with her grandma? I couldn't tell. She's I don't not a think big she does, apartment. and I think her want was that she wanted to be with Miles Teller. Yeah, now Hallie, I feel like you had mm. some opinions about the character of Chelsea that I want to draw out of you. Uh, I thought Miles Teller was like a big jerk in this movie, and he made no grand gesture in the way that Zac Efron is also a jerk, but made grand gestures. And I felt like she was always like way harder than him, clearly more talented than him because she he doesn't. She sings and plays piano at one point. Yeah. Exactly. We don't even see him do anything. Exactly. He says like, we should have this uh, book cover with shoes on it. Hello, Miles Teller got hit by a car. <laughs> well, we haven't gotten to that point. Not, just anyone can't do that. Here's Miles Teller's talent, and unfortunately it's one that society doesn't accept. He is a phenomenal pooper. <laughs> he is one of the best poopers He's or an Olympic pooper. Fartists. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's something some talents some talents are not valued at the same level as of others, but his poop, perfectly formed. <laughs> impeccably timed and we the volume, never saw the volume any of these poops <laughs> elliot is making this up for your benefit i'm just saying he's trying to be part of the patriarchy and just <laughs> work up this let me man. let me poop explain this to you why would he spend so much time in the bathroom or as he would call it his workshop unless he was <laughs> totally devoted to his muse the bowel because he's constipated, and all the little poops that he poops out are like little tiny rocks. Uh, yeah, one, like pellet. One, he's experimenting with new forms, which is what every artist should do. Two, fartists don't call it constipated. They call it pooper's block. All right, he is not a fartist. The only <laughs> fartist in this movie is Emma Jean Farts. <laughs> Her last name is Poots. <laughs> which is a synonym for farts. Well. <laughs> QED, quite erroneous dump. <laughs> I arrest my poop. This is the dumbest thing anyone's ever said, maybe. Anyway, let's to make a long story short, uh, Mikey gets back together with his wife, but it and they have sex in a hospital bed at his workplace. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't work out. He's still she's still cheating on him. With Harold. With Harold, who has, who a, has really, a fancy coat, a really nice jacket. They make a real like point about like his name being Harold, as if like that's a well-known philanderer's name. Well, like, it's, it's oh, everyone knows to like look out for Harold. I think the well, one, she's having sex with an improv form, which okay. is bad enough. And two, it's maybe close it's to Herod in the Bible, <laughs> the would, one who sent Jesus to his very. That would, that would be very even worse if it was like you're having sex with. Herod? He wanted all the Jewish children killed. <laughs> anyway, uh, or firstborn sons, whatever yeah. it was. Uh, and the Zach is pulling away from his girlfriend because he doesn't want to admit he has a girlfriend. And her dad, who he 
Me, okay, you know what? We didn't even talk about her meeting his her his meeting her dad. Great, one of the great American well, but, cinema but scenes. Hold on. <laughs> so let's, let's back up the like the the ostensible reason. Back that, up before we whack up. Yeah, the ostensible <laughs> reason that no one wants to get into a relationship is, is they made a deal solidarity with the divorce, and also because they're dudes out and of they're the dicks. They didn't want to do it before. That's yeah. true. They did all make an agreement to do the thing they were already they may remain in the lifestyle they were already living in. Yeah. But then yeah. they found true love. Simultaneously, at the most inconvenient time. <laughs> when yeah, they had this right, deal they, made, they deal. made. so A non-binding agreement between friends. So Imogene Poops tells <laughs> Zach uh, Nerfon that her she's going to have a surprise birthday party for herself. Because it's the kind of quirky thing that girls in movies do. Right. And it's a dress-up party. So obvi costume party, right? All of us. Regular right. people who would think that, except not. Well, because yeah. because when, the, when I hear the words dress up party, I immediately think, ah, oh, a masquerade. <laughs> I'll put on my play clothes and I'll dress up to be a knight or a, or a lion. Yeah. So he decides, well, maybe he, because the actress is English and her English accent struggles through her American accent. I actually didn't feel that way. Oh, uh, there were times when it. I knew that she was English, but I didn't necessarily like think, "Oh, she's doing a terrible." Uh, I, didn't I mean, think it was I terrible, just but think it just, she like, sounded like someone who was from New York. Uh, you got a lot to learn like about New York. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, she maybe so maybe he thought that she meant a fancy dress party, which would have been a masquerade ball mm. with costumes. You know, a, a ball all up in masks, and like so the, many like the judge has <laughs> in Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Ever so much misunderstanding. Uh, so. He, uh, but he thinks costume party. Well, I better go to a sex shop and buy a two foot long dildo that I can have stick out of my pants, so I can wear a shirt that says "Rock Out" and have my cock out. And Dan Clever. made a very good point. Like a dildo that was like completely flaccid. It was and a very long dildo, but it was like, <laughs> like super very bendy thin. and flaccid. Look, I've, working yeah. at the Daily Show, I've come into contact with a surprising number of dildos as props. There's I've never seen a dildo like that. Very working at I feel the, like I mean, we all work the Daily Show. Yeah, like, but you guys didn't work want, in the prop department. I did for a while. Like just for like you know the mechanics of it. Don't you, you remember you Hallie, want, when we were in the background of that chat with Al Madrigal? Yeah, or, and they the all lab? stood erect freely. Well, they yeah. didn't use any of those types of dildos on you that. You need one. a certain well, so, level of stiffness for the dildo to do it, the job. It was. What if made it was for? reading just within the text of the film? Okay. What if it was a urination dildo? So I don't know what that erect. means. I don't know. For someone is who likes to thing? pretend that they're around a penis that's peeing. But I don't is know that a thing? A, I don't, uh, there's, everything's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> everything's a thing. You're saying this dildo is some sort of art piece, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or art piece. <laughs> <laughs> that was just to make Hallie laugh. Anyway, so he shows up at this party in this raunchy costume. Uh-oh, it's actually a nice party. And her parents are there in the maybe one well- Produced joke in the whole movie, or well executed joke. Yeah, it was not like a clever. No, joke, there were the two other ones. I can't parents. remember what they were, but one I laughed out loud at, and one Dan did. Yeah, another couple of good, but but like, but all of the jokes were of a nature where it was like, oh, that joke wasn't particularly clever, but like in this case, for instance, the reveal of her parents being there after the dildo thing was well timed and like shot. Yeah, even though. Even the way though it was, it was a shot, very like he also joke. very obvious joke, but also he would have seen these two older people sitting right. there talking. It's similar to the scene in uh, Evil Dead Two 
when Bruce Campbell's being chased and he's looking straight ahead and an axe flies into frame. And we, the viewers, wouldn't have seen it, but he certainly would have seen a person <laughs> running at him with an axe. So it, he, he shouldn't be surprised by it. Anyway, little Evil, Evil Dead 2 memory for everybody. Now, he, despite, he meets, he manages to win over her parents by joking about the dildo and hits it off with her dad. Flash forward later in the movie. They're at the bar. He gets a call from her. Her dad has died. Uh-oh. Cut he to- keeps dropping her calls because they're giving him, his friends are giving him shit about it. And he's like, oh, I don't care if she's calling. Whatever, whatever. And then his friend Joke picks it up and he's like, hey, Ellie, this is uh, Miles Teller, the actor in <laughs> You this know, movie. from Whiplash and <laughs> the Spectacular Now. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's right for? here. I can totally like let you is talk to him. Is this your tempo? And he's like, oh, hey, what's up? <gasps> what? And oh, is at this seriously? point that Hallie went, her dad died. And then he said, her dad died. Now, cut to the next day, I guess. So not only did he not leave the bar and go see her that night, he I might guess. have. He you may know, have. that may have been a deleted scene. They start talking about, are you going to go to the funeral? What are you going to do? And then, so of course, we're all thinking, he's going he's gonna to break down his resistance, go to the funeral. Zach Efron got, got to go to that funeral. Now, meanwhile, Miles Teller has told his girlfriend, Chelsea, who started out as just a friend and then became a friend who's a girl who's a girlfriend, he told her that he's told his buddies that they're going Look, out. If I've learned anything from his marquee, there's no such thing as just a friend. <laughs> and it's too bad because he's got what she needs. Yeah. But uh, so they all like meet up at uh, Chelsea's big, huge Thanksgiving party, I guess. Yeah, I it's understand. a big family Thanksgiving party that her three best friends from college are invited to because they like get into hijinks at the party and then she's supposed to be like, those are my boys, you know. So, Hallie, what were you going to say? I was going to say, just in terms of... Oh, these men of mine. Yeah. No, but like, okay, so I think, if I'm not wrong, she is introduced as a character who is part of their friend group mm-hmm. from yes. college. Yeah. They've all been friends for a really long yeah. time. And she acts as Miles's wingman. And he is a total jerk, but I could definitely understand how it's a more awkward circumstance for her... And him to publicly uh, announce, announce that they are a now couple. a couple when they've been a friend group for a long time versus this fucking other dude who met this really cool girl and goes out who with her all the liked, time. Who showed up with uh, bourbon that she called scotch. <laughs> but it and, wasn't and was actually rye. Yeah. And played video games with the dudes like every fucking... 20-something guy's version of, like, what the hot chick is. Oh, she brings over whiskey. She drinks and she plays video games, too, and she can hang with my bras. Yeah. Uh, There's no reason why. My brohemes or my brosifs get along (laughs) with her. I mean, you guys are so provincial. You (laughs) act like that doesn't, I mean, that's all it takes. To survive in this universe, <laughs> I mean, trust I me. I, I mean, I don't really care I've for video games, universe. so I don't like that part. But I do like whiskey. Well, so if I you traded that. instead of drinking and video games, if you put in going to movies and and still keep the whiskey, I don't know, like I'll take it. Something else, yeah. I guess. So. I mean, people like people are attracted to people who share interests with them. It's just there's this like vision. Uh, there's this, but they were getting like she's like not a, given much more in terms of her personality. All we know about her is that she is, I guess, an author of some kind. Yeah. She likes to do the things Zac Efron likes occasionally and she enjoys parks and she yeah. wants to go to 
Gramercy Park, the most exclusive no, park in no, New York. No, you guys are totally uh, brushing aside the one extraordinary feature that every like male writer tries to write into a woman character in this kind of movie, which is like, she can keep up with me in conversation. That makes her an incredible woman, which is not an extraordinary trait of a woman, <laughs> but it definitely is framed like this in the movie. And in many movies like this, which is just like, oh my God, she's like funny and interesting and we can have a conversation. This is a woman above all women. <laughs> she is a price above rubies. Exactly. That's true. The other women in this are either, the two women who can kind of keep up in conversation. I mean, Chelsea is more of like a Chelsea, keep up in conversation sort of woman. Well, and she ends up with one of the dudes, yeah. Chelsea and Ellie. Meanwhile, the wife is bland she's as toast. Nothing. She's got nothing. And all the other girls that they have sex with are just kind of like, well, whatever. Uh, I like, just yeah, want to really, I just, well, can we talk about a relationship? Okay, I gotta go. Just like a woman. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, is definitely the, yeah, the 1% of women are women who can actually have a conversation. <laughs> I'm so happy to be represented in <laughs> movies that are marketed to me. <laughs> I don't know that this movie was marketed to you. I it mean, totally it's a rom-com. Yeah. It's like, not a rom-com. How it was like Zach Efron, Mama Like. <laughs> I mean, I, that's, a, that's the sick thing about it is like I definitely walked away liking this movie more than any of you two did. And it was that's most true. insulting to like my existence. <laughs> that's a good point. I think that says more about you than about us. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably society, right? <laughs> uh, so. Oh, so he had met her. He doesn't go to the funeral, basically. They all go to this big Thanksgiving party. He skips out on his girlfriend's dad's funeral, which is on Thanksgiving, which is weird. <laughs> we give thanks that he's like, that's dead. That's the only time they can get the, the cemetery. The priest it cemetery. came cheaper. The priest doing the service was like, uh, I'm free that day because of the holiday, but... Uh, I get overtime, but... Uh. It's, not, it's a secular holiday, so I'm not doing nothing at the church. I'm just darning my socks like it's fucking Eleanor Rigby or something. So the... Uh, he, they all go to the Thanksgiving party. I uh, don't think he ever darns his socks in Eleanor Wigby. What the? the yeah, he's darning which, his socks. Yeah. Uh, well, something. Yeah, no. it's in the song. I don't think Father so. McKenzie picks up the rice Christ at of the church, church where, where the wedding has been. been. Lives in a dream, waits at the window, no, darning, darning his, his socks. socks. Ah! Now he owe Paul no, McCartney no. a million dollars. No. <laughs> Just for that? <laughs> yep. Damn Wait, you, Cap. Is it darning his socks that she keeps in a jar? No, that's a different verse. That's yeah. Eleanor Rigby has Albert. a sm- fa- oh. puts on a face that she keeps oh, in a jar wind- by the door. Okay, it's okay. really a beautiful song. Why did he keep those socks in the window? <laughs> in a jar. Darning his socks. You know, okay, if it's like wet outside, he wants to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Socks okay. To- I'm with you. I'm he with keeps you. them in a jar. <laughs> Uh, this jar is one of those pickle jars where the top pops if it's been opened, so I know it's sealed for freshness. It's a sock jar, and when he gets enough socks in there, he goes down to the sock arcade uh, at the bank. Oh, and just and smashes trades, it open? He trades it in for one big stocking. Yeah. He keeps them in his, in his piggy sock. So uh, they all show up at the Thanksgiving party. Miles Teller and Chelsea are doing it in the bathroom. Uh, Zac Efron wanders in to pee, and fi- catches them in there doing it. And then, because we need the other character to show up, uh, Michael B. Jordan also walks into the bathroom. Who just dumped his wife. Because she found out he was still sleeping with Harold. Because he found out she was still sleeping with Harold. Yeah. You said the other way around. Oh, I, I was wrong. Pronoun trouble. And uh, 
then he may uses an elaborate wine metaphor to make the point that uh, their relationship isn't working. They all get mad. They get into a fist fight when their secrets come out. It's a real secret and lies moment. And uh, they all walk out of the bathroom while everyone is gathered around it, listening to their fight. And there is in the background this creepy waiter who's like just kind of like weirdly like moving around with his head at a cocktail angle like a skexy or something like that. <laughs> well, this is a delicious moment. <laughs> yeah, so I guess he's like Miles Teller's buttocks. <laughs> oh yeah, because because because. They were Miles doing Teller and Chelsea were having sex in the uh, shower. Shower, even though Chelsea was wearing um, a like uh, was wearing pants, a pantsuit. Well, not even pants, but a pantsuit. Th- that those two love to do with the, most of their clothes. That's on. true. Most of the time when they're in bed, they have their shirts on. Very realistic. Yeah, like, but like, like okay, it's impossible. But she was wearing a pantsuit, and it's impossible to have sex without either taking. A bottom or a top off, and if you're wearing a pantsuit, they both say, have to come off. Even if you off. just have a top off, it'd be pretty difficult to have sex <laughs> yeah. unless you've got a belly button vagina. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: maybe she was wearing those split pants that yeah. little Chinese kids wear, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that they could just squat in the street. Maybe I mean she says skinny <laughs> is a little Chinese pantsuit. kid. Yeah. So maybe possible. she was wearing a crotchless pantsuit to her family <laughs> that's Thanksgiving. Possible. Uh, so, she knew he was coming. <laughs> uh, so he walks out pantsless yeah. from the from the uh, from the bathroom. Cut to no the- full frontal. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. If you're looking to see his drumstick, <laughs> gross. It's <laughs> so gross. I've never. Now we have. I have an image of a different version of Whiplash where he's just drumming with his penis, <laughs> but he still does that amazing solo at the end. <laughs> But his and penis. He's plunging his bloody oh, penis I was thinking, <laughs> ice water. For some reason, when you said that, I was thinking of like a chicken drumstick, <laughs> and I was like, "What penises are shaped like that?" Colonel Sanders. <laughs> he had a drumstick penis. <laughs> okay, let's all, let's sum up what happened. This has this been movie. a really salty episode. Yeah. But anyway, that's what happens when Hallie's here. <laughs> they all patch it up as friends. Uh, and out of nowhere, Miles Teller gets hit by a car. <laughs> so he and Chelsea have a hospital makeup. Uh, yeah. And Zach Efron goes to a book reading that Ellie has organized, and he reads a short story, I guess, that he wrote that is about their first meeting. He and didn't. He wasn't reading it. He was just winging it. He grabbed a random book, and then he was winging it. Up. Oh. No wonder the structuring was so patchy. <laughs> uh, and his use of theme and image was juvenile at best. Uh, and, they, and they make up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's so the end of the everyone, and as like a, a Shakespeare play. I was just going to say, <laughs> as in a Shakespeare comedy, they are paired up <laughs> yep. at the end. And the villain is, I guess, chased out of town or thrown in jail. <laughs> Whatever happens to Shakespeare villains and comedies? You know what the villain mm-hmm. is? He's humiliated, usually, I feel like. Yeah. Male hubris. Yeah. <laughs> Except, uh, oh, and, uh, and Michael B. Jordan. Uh, calls the glasses girl that he met at the bar earlier in the in the movie, like months before, like. And she was like, "I've been waiting for you <laughs> yeah. to call." She's like, "I haven't had any dates in between now. I'm still." Totally I was saving single. myself for you, guy. I'm a, I met. I'm a beautiful woman who somehow only had this one time a couple months ago. Someone show any interest in me? Yeah. So, so was that awkward moment when we finished watching the movie and we were like, "Why did we just watch that?" And Hallie yeah. went, "That was great." <laughs> Uh, yeah, now it's time for final judgments. Was this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked? 
Um, Allie, let's go. Oh, to no, you. I think I should go last. Okay. Elliot. Uh, I thought it was a bad, bad movie. Um, here's where, like, I feel like I can't go into the normal categories because I feel like this movie was totally bad. But it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, well, I mean, compared it, to our other bad, bad movies, well, that's the thing. It wasn't at that level. It might be the curve that the Flop House has made me grade movies on. Mm, you're in trouble with the curve. But <laughs> I almost kind of liked this movie just because, like. I feel like I was consistently entertained by it, even while realizing everything about it was terrible. Oh, see, this is the kind of movie that enrages me. Uh, so I just don't like those. I don't like those kinds of guys. I don't want to see them redeemed. No, they're a bunch I of assholes. Like them. I don't want to spend time with them. I just wasn't them. bored by it. And I it guess. captures a thing that I feel like. I feel like there's a uh, there's this feeling that especially that like young men who aren't super social and don't get a lot of dates. A feeling that I certainly had when I was younger about New York. Where it felt like there was just this like these free floating currents of sex in the air that some people knew how to capture and other people just could not locate or identify or hold on so to. So you're saying you're a men's rights activist, right? That's what you're no, saying. No, I'm Alex? saying like I don't I have no sympathy for characters in a movie where their problem is like, Oh, I'm just having all this sex. I don't know what to do. Oh I well, my penis hurts from all the sex I've been having. Right. Oh boy. I'm such a man child. I don't want to grow up and I'm just doing it all the time. I have no sympathy for them. Yeah, no, I understand. Allie, they have no you, ambition. What do you have to say? No, I don't. I don't think you finished your. Experience. No, I you were don't. saying how much you liked it. No, I was saying that I, I thought that objectively it was not a good movie, and all the characters were bad people. But I was still <laughs> entertained by it. I was not bored by it, so I kind of okay. liked it. Kind of liked it. Yeah, I mean, I found it problematic uh <laughs> to the extent that the characters we were really being asked to relate to are like a bunch of dudes who like yeah i get it like why should you wanna like like girls it <laughs> sucks so bad to like them um and as a girl that's like what the fuck <laughs> uh, but honestly well i <laughs> But I guess, I mean, it offends me that this is like a like a, a document of pop culture because it exists. And so I guess it exists in some reality. But because it is so far from like my actual experience of like culture in New York and like probably it exists, but like I don't hang out in fucking Murray Hill with a bunch of frat dudes. Murray Hill referenced in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is influencing you in ways you didn't even realize. <laughs> no, but like it's enough of a non-reality that like it makes me angry that it exists as a cultural document, but like I can uh, have enough distance from it as like a rom-com that I'm like, yes, let that man be tamed by the <laughs> woman who deserves him. So I had very complicated feelings about this. Mm. But like basically... Uh, if this is supposed to be any like real item of uh, culture, I mean, I don't think then... the movie was was <laughs> aiming high or attempting to mirror reality in any way. I mean, that's what scares me, though. I think it like might real like I don't know. It's just about that awkward moment, you know. That awkward moment. But the awkward moment. No, it's exactly the awkward moment is like I mean, I feel like it's pretty clear that the awkward moment is like the moment when the girl asked the dude to be 
her boyfriend. Yeah, he ta- Zach Efron talks about how it's never good when a girl says so. Yeah. Because it's always going to be with, so where is this going? Or so what is the, what is this thing we have here? And it's it like, yeah, the, the movie is about, I, I guess I, I'm sure there are plenty of guys who have that fear where they're like, I want to fly free, man. I don't want to be tied down to some lady with her lady parts. But <laughs> the uh, lady parts, by the way, was the Western. <laughs> that I wrote, but uh, the I have I like have so little sympathy for those characters, and I don't want to see them. I don't care if they learn their lesson or not. Basically, no. yeah, like the idea that they automatically go into situations not wanting to form an emotional connection with another human being, but marks I want like, sociopaths no, to me, right? But I want to like because there's some sick uh, like draw to seeing like hating that uh, narrative, but like feeling some satisfaction that like the woman actually reaches the man. I want to like draw some uh, like alternate universe comparison of like, it's like the lame ass like eighties movie where the girl is really hot and the, I mean, I'm like trying to no, but that that would guys would that wouldn't reach you. But I feel like there is some parallel where like the girl is like hot and uninteresting, and then like nerd guy somehow gets her, right. and oh, that yeah, is totally. like a, a triumph. There's totally movies where that happens. Yeah, right. Yeah. That you guys would in as individuals actually like find like not real. I mean, like that you guys would be like compelled to watch in the same way that like for some stupid mm. reason I'm I mean compelled to watch it does the girl take her clothes off in the movie or? <laughs> I mean I do think that like most of those movies though do have the trope of like the guy wants the really hot girl but then he realizes he realizes he should be his, his friend. best friend it's is called actually Teen Wolf you know, Syndrome or TWS yeah. right even though his friend is way cuter yeah Boof than is the girl. totally cuter than the she just other... has a dumb name Boof um, it's not it's not almost as dumb a name as Poots Here's the thing that it's like. So that's the super lame thing because this movie is even about like the guy who's a loser getting the best friend and yeah. then realizing that she's the hotter one. So that's so fucked up. <laughs> this it, is it so is everything you hate, up. Hallie. But here's uh, the thing. Hallie, I think you've discovered that there's gender inequality <laughs> in this nation. I also don't like. So he wins back Ellie. So do they have a future now? Is it just going to be like a funny story the time that he didn't show up at her dad's funeral? Like, hey, kids, let me tell you about the time your dad didn't show up at my dad's funeral. Like, that's a terrible <laughs> thing. Or is she just going to lord it over him you for see, the rest of her he life? he made an agreement with his two loser buddies. <laughs> uh, honey, I don't know if I can make it to that work thing you have tonight. Oh, really? Because I remember another thing you couldn't make it to <laughs> when one of my parents died. All right. Uh, we it's, got- a, it's not a, it's a right. dysfunctional relationship. All right. So, wait. What was the designation? Uh, mixed. <laughs> the designation is mixed. <laughs> okay. Um, that awkward moment you broke our system. We got to move on um, and just once more uh, remind folks that it's uh, Max Fun Drive 2015 time. Max Fun Drive 2015. Pledge often. Pledge early. Uh, if you go to MaximumFun.org and click on donate, you can donate to all of your favorite shows Donations support the shows that you listen to. You're able to designate which shows you listen to. Designate the Flophouse. And uh, if you donate, you know, you'll feel great when you listen to the show. You'll know you're contributing. Uh, You'll help us reach our goal of 2,000 new and or upgrading members 
You'll get great pledge gifts. I won't go through them again because we talked about them but earlier. Minimum pledge is five dollars a month. That's yeah, very little money. Think about it. That's two dollars and fifty cents an episode of the Flophouse. You can't even buy a comic book for two dollars and fifty cents, and yet you're getting an hour's worth of entertainment with your three best friends, Elliot, Dan, and right. Stuart Sub TBD. And <laughs> and at the five dollar month level, you uh, get the bonus content, which at this point you're. You're not getting just the bonus content for this year. You're getting bonus content for all the previous pledge drives years. So that's like that's tens of hours of different podcasts, not just us, everyone on the Max Fun Network. Um, and five dollars is just the minimum. You can pledge more than that, and you right. get more for it. And there also we have challenge donors. Yeah, you get a collapsible water bottle. <laughs> that's pretty sweet. Just grab a Ziploc bag. Ladies. Whoa, whoa, you're going way off message. <laughs> A Ziploc bag went full of water? How are you going to drink out of that, Hallie? Um, but I also <laughs> want to mention that there are challenge donors. Current, challenge donors. Current members who are pledging uh, money, um, be it a nickel, dime, or quarter, per each new or upgrading member. So your money can be not matched, but augmented. Augmented by You're actually helping us to get even more than what you pledge when you pledge. And it helps keep the network alive. It helps mm-hmm. keeps us doing this podcast. Because frankly, guys, this podcast takes a lot of time. And I've got a baby at home. And it, we got to make it <laughs> worth my while, if you know what I mean. I'm doing that thing with my hands that means money, please. And if you're a current member, uh, think about upgrading. Uh, you will get access to all of the new pledge gifts. Um, and uh, also, if you're a current member, why not just go to... Maximum Fun and, and uh, select the Flop House as one of the podcasts that you listen to. You should be doing this right now. If you didn't do it at the beginning of the podcast when I told you to do it right now, I'm disappointed in you and you should do it right now now because you're going to forget otherwise. You're going to write a note for yourself. Every time you see it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I should do that. You should do it now. No. Get out of the way. Do it now. Support your podcast that you love. And uh, you'll get all the stuff that jo- that Dan mentioned before. If you just pledge those amounts. The uh, collapsible water bottle. <laughs> Hallie's favorite. And you will also get the satisfaction of knowing that thanks to you, this podcast is podsible. That's possible with pod in it for podcast. Um, so let's move on to letters from listeners. Um, listeners like you, the people who should be donating right now. Uh, the first letter comes from Cody last name withheld who writes pardon me I'm gonna he's crying he wrote pardon me uh, I'm flying from Montreal to London Dan or had to she stifle. Cody can be a girl yeah, that's true. or a bear Dan had to stifle a burp that's why he said yeah. pardon me I'm flying from Montreal to London at the time of writing and wow has in-flight entertainment stepped up its game whoever it is Air Canada has picking movies for the onboard system is kind of my hero though I worry they may lose their job given that they selected proven audience pleasers like The Tree of Life, Serious Man, and James Gray's The Immigrant. Also making, you, I've seen them all, and they're all sad. Take the saddest uh, flight there is. Also making appearances, Terry Gilliam's Zero Theorem, which, uh, as of the writing of this email, hadn't even had a North American theatrical release yet. Which leads me to my question. When the in-flight entertainment system has a film you suspect you'll love, do you go for it or wait to watch in an environment with a lower chance of screaming babies, emergency landings over water, and the person next to you watching the clumps? I was in the situation on another, on another flight that had the 400 blows. Seriously, who chooses these? Where I decided to hold off for a better viewing experience, which never came since I've not gotten around to watching it. 
If you do hold off on watching certain movies, what do you go for instead to numb the pain of long plane trips? Yours flopping it across the Atlantic, Cody last name withheld. Now, Dan, I know you love to watch movies on planes. Now, this is a fallacy. Uh, I There's been a lot of talk of fallacies tonight. No, I've specified movies that I watch on planes for this very reason. Because, in general, I feel like you don't want to watch a great movie on a plane. You want to watch a, an amiable time passer. And so, I've always That's, specified... That sounds like the lamest Bond villain. <laughs> Ah, amiable time passer. Yeah. No, so I've always specified when I, you know, have watched a movie on a plane, just to clarify sort of the mindset I was in. Sure, sure. I did... Lack of oxygen. I did once watch 12 Years a Slave on a plane (laughs) because I knew that I was not going to watch it otherwise. I was like, this movie is going to make me too upset otherwise, so the best time to watch it will be when I'm literally strapped into my (laughs) seat. You said, steward, keep the drinks coming. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I don't know. They're... I mean, I prefer to read on planes. Right. I really like reading on flights, and I like to see if I can knock out a whole book on a flight if it's a long one, like a cross-country flight. I will say, uh, I usually don't like to watch movies because it's you can't hear them as well, and they yeah, it's not as good an experience. But if I hadn't watched Yodorovsky's Dune on a flight, I don't think I would have gotten a chance to see it at this point just because it's been hard for me to fit movies into my schedule. So I wanted to take advantage of that flight opportunity, and I really enjoyed it that way. So I'm glad that I did. So if it's a movie that is like a documentary, I think a flight makes more sense to me. Uh, well, I like to read also on planes. If I am have started a book that I'm already super into and it's long, I love to do that rather than watch a movie. But I definitely have watched both um, – Nacho Libre on a movie, like on a plane, on one of those planes where there's like a scheduled viewing time. Oh, yeah. And so I watched it once and it was a long enough flight that I thought it was so great. I watched it twice (laughs) and I would have never liked it outside of the context of an airplane. And I also watched, um, you know, what the fuck fucking rosebud movie citizen kane <laughs> yes i also watched Whereas citizen it's also kane. known what the fuck fucking rosebud movie <laughs> i also watched citizen kane on a plane and you know not sure i would have made time for that if i wasn't crossing the atlantic right uh, a great movie yeah <laughs> although it makes me think that that samuel jackson needs a movie now called canes on a plane <laughs> there's too many canes on that plane charles foster kane that is <laughs> Um, and I saw Miracle on a Plane. That's a really good movie. The hockey movie? Everybody was asleep when the American team won that game. And I Spoilers. was crying and wondering why people wouldn't wake up to just appreciate that moment. I've watched uh, Netflix movies on planes uh, when they have Wi-Fi, if that counts. Uh, I watched I Confess, great the story. Hitchcock movie on a plane. <laughs> um, so I think that didn't help you at all nope it turns out everyone i guess actually you know what the best ex- movie experience i think i had on a plane was when i was sitting next to a co-worker of all of ours on a plane and he was watching the amazing burt wonderstone and i was just every now and then glancing at his screen and just being like wow that looks bad <laughs> and then turning that? away what who was it uh adam lovett oh uh of the daily show next question we are flying back from or next, Turkey. next letter but also a question uh, I have a very important question to ask you. 
Don't ask me why or how this came up, but yesterday my roommate and I were discussing- Well, so you can ask us a question and we can't ask you? Uh, Hallie, it's a letter. We actually couldn't ask anyway. (laughs) Uh, My roommate and I were discussing a certain scene in Ghostbusters. uh, The blowjob scene? Yes. (laughs) And found ourselves in a quandary. Because every other scene is so perfect you wouldn't need to discuss it. It's the one problem in the movie. It's the one where Dan Aykroyd's character, Ray, gets a blowjob from a ghost. (laughs) Considering how often this topic comes up in any given episode of the Flophouse, I thought you would be the right people to ask. What do you think happened afterward? What happened to the semen? (laughs) Did it pass through the ghost as most solid objects would? Oh, are we really? The movie does establish that ghosts can pass through solid things, but does that mean they can swallow things as well? Slimer certainly swallows a ton of shit. I suppose it's equally possible that Ray never finished, but given the look on his face before the scene cuts, (laughs) that seems unlikely. I'm guessing that all of you have thoughts about this. Thought about this a lot. <laughs> nope. <laughs> please. And we've had discussions about what the Crypt Keeper's penis looks please like. Please respond with any insight you may have. With all my love, Kate. Last name withheld. Well, thanks, Kate. Uh, thanks for writing in. Uh, I well, let's remember that that scene is a dream mm-hmm. that Ray is having. So it's possible he didn't think through what happens next. And he just rolls over in bed, as happens in the movie. Yeah. Or rolls out of bed. It, it was... Now, wasn't that left over from a scene that got cut? That was left over from a scene that got cut, where they, like, go to the Museum of Natural History or something, or, like... Oh, that, of course. I guess it wouldn't yeah, be Natural should, History. If it was Natural History, he'd get a blowjob from a Tyrannosaurus. Yeah, it was someplace... Like, there's some reason why he was dressed up like Napoleon <laughs> or whatever he was <laughs> in that scene. He goes to the museum, and that whole thing was cut. Here's Rightfully what, so. Here's what I think happens. Although I'd love to see that footage now and see what the scene was supposed to be, but maybe it's on a DVD. Here's what I think happens. He's getting a blowjob from a ghost. He closes his eyes. He opens them again. It's the guy in a bear suit from The Shining. Oh, no, and Shelley Duvall is screaming at him. That's what happens. Um, Dan, what do you think? I don't want to think about it. <laughs> Uh, so this last letter, I remember as a kid being so weirded out by that scene, it was so much like in its own way, scarier than the library ghost in the beginning, which was otherwise the scariest part of the movie. It was scary because you were confused by it. Exactly. You was going I was on. like, mama, dada, what is that ghost doing to that man? And they were like, uh, uh, she's, uh, inflating him. Um, so this last letter. <laughs> go back to bed. <laughs> This last you got to wake up early tomorrow to enjoy more of our driving trip through Canada. <laughs> this last letter in a motel. is from my dad, last name withheld. <laughs> my dad writes. During, so let me guess what his really last name dad? is. Yeah. It's really your dad? Yeah. <laughs> he writes, during a recent morning walk, I was listening to your discussion of I, Frankenstein. I forgot your parents listened to this podcast. <laughs> you mentioned that the army of gargoyles slash angels were using a cross with three slashes as their symbol and then proceeded to engage in some speculation about what that meant. Well, it could have been a papal Didn't cross. did I raise you better? <laughs> which has three cross pieces in a shorter to longer descending pattern at the top of the vertical piece. Or it could have been the orthodox cross, which has two cross pieces at the top and a longer slanting piece near the bottom of the vertical piece. In that same episode... You raised a metaphysical question as to why an all-powerful deity would need an army of gargoyles slash angels. <laughs> you thereby perpetuated a long-standing, faulty, and unnecessary assumption, namely that God is un- omnipotent in the sense of possessing all the power. I am hereby assigning a book for you to read, Charles Hartstone's <laughs> Omnipotence and Other Theological Mistakes. Yours for a more religiously and philosophically informed flophouse, Dad, last name with So help. I assume, Dan, that as a good son, you've read this book already and you can tell us what it's about. Yeah, it's about um, 
omnipotence and other theological mistakes. I like the idea that it's a mistake as in like the science is clear. <laughs> omnipotence is not one of the things that God has. He has freeze ray powers, heat breath, flight, invisibility, <laughs> he can read minds, and he can talk to fish. He does not have omnipotence. <laughs> that the incredible Mr. Limpet in that fish sense? Yeah, because yeah, the incredible Mr. Limpet had heat, <laughs> heat breath. Yeah, he can he turn that. invisible, he read minds. He can do that thing that Alex Mack does. where She she turns into a puddle? Freezes time and turns into a puddle. She couldn't freeze time. That was out of this world. Oh. Alex Mack could just turn into a puddle of the same CGI goo oh, yeah. and slide under doors. Well, a guy can do that. Right? Um, yeah, sure. Dad, last name with Alex McCoy? <laughs> Yes. Maybe Alex Mack had other powers. I thought she could just turn into a puddle of goo. I thought she could freeze time. I think it's just out of this world girl who can freeze time. You mean my two dads? We probably no, no, out of this world. My right. two dads. She had no superpowers. You're right. You're right you're so right. this theological discussion about there was out the, of this world. There was the Punky Brewster TV show that was live action where she had no powers, and there was the cartoon show where she had a floating Punky magic kind of hamster from another planet. So many, so many residuals we should be paying. To. <laughs> well, that's why we need these pledges, people. You got to pay our legal bills um, against Paul McCartney, composer of the Punky Brewster theme song. <laughs> so, thank you uh, for sending us theologically. Are straight. we sure that Paul McCartney wrote Eleanor Rigby? Well, it was uh, probably credited as McCartney Lennon since all their songs but since were he depending on who sang it, it. I would but say, I, yeah, usually they would sing the songs they wrote. All right. And it fits into, Your... he had more of a, like, quaint England view yeah. of things, like Penny Lane and stuff like that, mm-hmm. whereas John Lennon didn't wasn't as interested in those types of things for the most part. And it's more Which emotional. Not to say that and he John didn't... Lennon was less interested in emotions. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah. he was the only one who ever fell in love. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that that's true. You mean in history or? <laughs> of the yeah. Beatles. You know. What about the uh, In My Life? That's a pretty emotional song. That's true. All right. Fine. You've disproved my thesis. Just like your dad disproved your omnipotence thing. Tell your dad you love him and go to bed. I love you, Dad. Anyway. That was sweet. Let's. I uh, love you too, Dan's dad. Move on. Hey, Dan's dad. I'm not ready to say yet. <laughs> <laughs> when she is ready, you'll know. Because she'll get a skywriter. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, to the last segment of the evening, recommendations of movies we actually liked. Oh, no. Did you forget that this is part of the Don't podcast, worry about Hallie? me. Okay. <laughs> was that a threat? I don't know whether that's a yes or no. Uh, but I'll start off. Um, I watched a movie called uh, Cold in July. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Which is... <laughs> It's based on a Joe R. Lansdale book, oh. and it stars uh, Michael C. Hall, Sam Shepard, and Don Johnson, which is uh, a pretty interesting an cast. Interesting cast. Uh, Michael C. Hall and Sam Shepard, excellent as you would expect. Don Johnson has aged into a very fun character actor, um, and it's a Texas noir. Uh, it starts with Michael C. Hall shooting a guy, an intruder, into his house. Um, Wait, he shoots the intruder into his house. An intruder intrudes into his house, and Michael uh, C. Hall is a mild-mannered... He, he doesn't have, like, a cannon, and he <laughs> no. shoots an intruder out of it into his house. Michael C. Hall is a mild-mannered gentleman <laughs> who shoots an intruder and uh, then discovers that the cops may, might be lying about who they say the intruder was, and to say any more would be too much. 
there's a lot of twists in the movie. A betrayal to Michael C. Hall. Yeah. I would say that the, the, the number of uh, sort of like twists and unpredictable turns that the movie takes might be too many, actually. Like it might skew too far in the direction of like, well, this doesn't necessarily like hang together as a story. I'm not really sure what it's saying. But the fact that the atmosphere is so good and the performances are so good still make it uh, really entertaining. It kind of has some of the same tone as Blue Ruin. Not as good, but huh. uh, I recommend it. If you like something like Blood Simple, also, you might enjoy it. Who doesn't it. like Blood Simple? Fools in July. So that's my recommendation. Elliot? Should I go next? Okay. I'll, t- I'll, go, I'll go next so okay. you can finish it off. Okay. Uh, I so I would recommend... Um, I don't know if any of you guys, I'm sure many of you guys, unless you guys are too cool for this, but I've been pretty caught up in the whole Robert Durst uh, mystery unfolding arrest scandal. But sure. that started actually, a, um, you know, a handful of years ago when I saw the really <laughs> bad move. No, it's not really bad. It's a good, um, no, I'm recommending it. So if you're interested in the genre of Robert Durst, <laughs> it's the, the movie that piqued my interest initially was All Good Things, which is the dramatic, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's it's, a dramatization. Adap- it's a dramatization, a dramatization of, and it's the same guy who, like, this was his window in. The guy who directed it, whose name I should oh, know. Andrew Jarecki? Yeah. So, Capturing the Freedman's guy? Yeah. And so he directed this All Good Things movie, which was um, uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling Gosling's starring as Robert Durst oh, and Kirsten right. Dunst starring as Kathleen, uh, whatever the fuck her name is. Durst Mc- wife. No. McCormick? Was that her no, name? I don't know. Uh, I, I forgot but the, that movie existed. But yeah. the his wife who disappeared. Um and this was like what initially like Robert Durst saw this and reached out to Dorecki. Am I, <laughs> I pronouncing saw that movie it? made no, about how a murderer? Uh, and and was like, oh, like you're the only one who like really understands me. Like I want to do an interview with me. I, I want to do an interview interview with you, which they developed into this HBO series. Uh, but it's like, you know, if you didn't have the actual. Uh, record of the real Robert Durst talking to you. It was incredibly fascinating to just hear this story. And it's so poorly cast with like Ryan Gosling as this guy and Kirsten Dunst as this woman that it's like just weird enough and fascinating enough to like see if you're wrapped up in the whole news story that's unfolding. Uh. So I would recommend that. And it's, you know, it's engaging. Like you want to watch it. What was the name of the movie again? All good things. All good things. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie uh, that I saw recently that I really enjoyed. I feel like half of my recommendations these days are Eastern European movies from the 60s, and this one is no exception. Uh, This is a movie called Man is Not a Bird by the Serbian, at the time Yugoslavian, but now Yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore, Serbian uh, writer-director Dujan Makavejev, I think his name is pronounced. Uh, And it is like a lot of these kind of Eastern European new wave movies from the 60s when things were loosening up slightly around the communist film industries, but not quite enough yet. Uh, it's kind of like a, you know, a, a French new wave-ish type movie filtered through a Yugoslavian communist lens about a couple different types of characters, but mainly about uh, an engineer who comes into this kind of 
depressing uh, town built around a uh, metal uh, refinery, and he's going to install in a mine. He's going to install this new mining equipment, and while there, he rooms at the house at a house run by these two older this older couple and their daughter who is younger than him but is a young adult and she begins to kind of woo him and he woo her back and they have this brief relationship that at the same time becomes a uh, metaphor in some ways or the things around them become a metaphor for life under a communist government uh and there's a circus side show at one point there's hypnotists there's a crazy character who gets into fights who uh has a wife and a mistress, and they get into a big public fist fight. The wife and the mistress and Lynn later become best friends and start hanging out all the time together. Uh, there's some really funny things, but then it ends on a much bleaker note than you expect going into it. And it's one of these kind of mid-60s European movies that's shot really gorgeously with a lot of like very natural-looking images, but really crisp, and a lot of handheld camera, but not blurry. Uh, and I just enjoyed it a lot. So... Uh, if you get the chance, go seek it out. It's called Man is Not a Bird. I really liked it a lot. Man is not a bird. That's mm. the lesson I've learned I mean, tonight. the title is really true. <laughs> There's a lot of truth in that movie, starting with the title. <laughs> uh, Hallie, it's been a delight. Thank you so much always. for coming in and, and uh, filling and in for Stuart. Wearing Sarah's sweater. You you filled Stuart's <laughs> shoes and Sarah's sweater. <laughs> Thanks for watching this movie with us and enjoying the ROM and the COM. Oh, thank you for having me a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. You. A lot. Very much. Uh, and listeners, hope you enjoyed this episode and show your enjoyment by pledging. What do you get when you pledge? You'll get the bonus episode. So really, twice as much Flophouse as you're used to if you pledge at MaximumFun.org. And a collapsible water bottle. <laughs> okay. I mean, anything that you really want this collapsible water bottle. You keep bottle. mentioning it and your birthday is coming up. <laughs> uh, but um, for the Flophouse, another episode. I've been Dan McCoy. <laughs> Was that the subtitle of this episode? Another, <laughs> yeah, episode? another episode? Like another 48 yeah, hours? It's not, it's not a very well thought out subtitle. The Flophouse, colon, another episode. <laughs> yeah. I've been Dan McCoy. I think I'm still Elliot Kalen. I hope I'm still Hallie Hagland. Good night, everyone. Yeah, you pet that cat, Hallie. Whoa, that you, was weird. You pet that cat, I don't good. like that at all. Stop it. We watched a pretty heavy movie tonight, people, so we're just probably going to get a lot of that dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it's if you if either you need to cry, because I know I will, just <laughs> feel like it's a safe space. Dan is crying. People die. I mean, I, but he's biting his fist at this. I mean, I cry because his fist is delicious. Here. His fist is made of... <laughs> Fondant. <laughs> Ew, but then, then it tastes terrible. I'm fond of it. Um, so this has been a much of unusual bullshit. Yeah, so let's start with the episode, maybe. So let's start the show. You might even want to delete what just went. What, what, no, this okay. is all going into the outtakes. Uh, that really? Not really out, even out. Energy! <laughs> Good work, Hallie. <laughs> Can't spell Hallie without E for energy and H for hell. <laughs> <laughs>